The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. You're going to watch WWE War whether you want to or not. What's up, Marcus? Oh, I'm glad we could work that in, man. Yeah. What a, that should get at least plus three as far as <laughs> right. I'm concerned. Oh, oh just wait. <laughs> points are going to be flowing tonight, my friend. It's going to be like Dave Meltzer in the Tokyo Dome tonight. The Starflake's going to be all over the place. Dirty War, it is your sabermetric-style nerd-out look at every Dirty WWE pay-per-view in history. We are starting a new season tonight, so it's always a jovial time here in the War Studios. I'm JT, that's Marcus. If you're new, what we're doing is we're watching every Dirty pay-per-view ever in a season format. So our seasons run from the pay-per-view following WrestleMania to the next year's WrestleMania. So uh, this season, 1992-93, that we're starting tonight, is going to kick off with SummerSlam 92, as you could have guessed. And is going to end with WrestleMania 9. Uh, so our last season, similar format. We started with Extreme Rules. Uh, 2011 ended at, uh, not 2011, uh, 2015 ended at WrestleMania 32. So uh, we've been moving through these seasons. It's an exciting time, of course. We break down every show with various categories. And we base everything on the concept of replacement level. So if you think of the most average, basic replacement level thing is a flat line. 
Anything we like better than that gets a gets one or two or three points extra. Anything below that that we think negatively detracts from the show, we take away points. Um, we also watch every match. We grade every match. We take a composite score of my grade and Marcus's grade. And then if you consider two and a half to be in a replacement level match grade, whatever is above or below is kind of how that nets out. So if our combined score is a three, that gets a 0.5 plus on, a, on that match. We tally that all up. Uh, Marcus, do you want to quickly run down the categories that we discuss as well on this show? Absolutely. Let's go through it. Uh, we start off with build, then commentary, atmosphere, notable moments and importance, our match grades like you talked about, card structure, rewatchability, and all-time matches. And JT, uh, for those that don't know, an all-time match for us is anything that we both agree is 4.25 and above, mm -hmm. or for a minus, it is anything we both agree is 0.75 and below. Yes, sir. All right, so we are going to kick off a brand new season tonight, and as we mentioned, we're going to start with SummerSlam 1992. Very regal feel in the air. SummerSlam 1992 recorded took place on august 29th 1992 aired august 31st 92 it's is it the only pay-per-view in history that aired on a delay because even like the saudi arabia and all that is like usually airs live it's just at a different time have they done another one that's like aired off and then i mean two days later it's crazy yeah not counting no holds barred the match the movie yeah this has to be it probably well, maybe this is some ridiculously obscure thing out there, if anyone thinks of one, but it's pretty unique. Mm -hmm. uh, probably not doable in today's modern society, at least with all the spoilers and stuff, would be on the internet immediately. Back then, I'm sure it was on some Usenet groups, and I'm sure like Melser, I don't know, I guess it was recorded on a Saturday or on a Monday, so I don't know when his newsletter would have dropped, but I'm sure there was some info out there about the show. I remember ordering this one. My cousin ordered it, went over to his house. Um, I didn't know any of the spoilers going in, obviously, so it was a surprise for me. Uh, this is a little before you would have been ordering pay-per-views, right? Yes, but this is uh, this is like where my memory really kicks off with like remembering wrestling. So my mom went down to the like where she'd pay the cable bill or whatever, and uh, she was buddies with the lady, and so she'd always give me the. Uh, like the wrestling posters that they'd get or any promotional material she'd always right. send it to my mom whenever she came in to pay the bill so i had a huge SummerSlam 92 poster not uh too much unlike my shirt here um hanging up right by my bed um and yeah i definitely remember the uh the brother-in-law versus brother-in-law storyline for intercontinental title um that was definitely a big one for me yeah, it was an exciting one. I mean, I was I was obviously really dialed in during this time period. Uh, WrestleMania eight was the first pay per view I watched live, so it was a long wait that summer. And as much as I loved SummerSlam, it was always a little bittersweet because it was always like that Monday before school started. Um, you know, I remember ninety four, like I started high school the next day. It was my first <laughs> day of school, so that was like a rough one, you know. Um, so it was always cool. Like you were excited for SummerSlam, but it was always like, oh man, this really is like end of summer when SummerSlam hit, at least for most of the years in the 90s. It was a little bit earlier, later years. But for a while, it was that last weekend uh, every time. The build is interesting. We'll talk about it, obviously, mm -hmm. because they were marching. That whole summer, it was very obvious they needed, like, another show because that summer is one of the most bland summers that they have. Um, there's some cool stuff that happens on TV, but a lot of it doesn't lead to anything. And it's just very much like a dark hole 
for a lot of those months in that summer. Um, they build some stuff that doesn't happen because they end up in Wembley Stadium in London um, instead of Landover, Maryland, which was the original plan with a card would have been slightly different. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about some of the build as we go. Of course, it was a pretty big attendance. It's uh, noted that it's disputed, but it was claimed to be over 80,000 people um, in Wembley Stadium. It looked pretty full. <laughs> I mm. it's probably not far off. Uh, Vince McMahon and Bobby Heenan are our announcers. I believe it's the first show they do together as a pay-per-view. Um, yeah. I think Gorilla had done with Bobby till this. Vince and Bobby do the next two together. Um, but I don't think they had done one together. I don't. I don't actually know when the last one Vince had done. I guess SummerSlam '90 he did right with uh with Piper. It might have been the last one. Yeah, did, I, I think, think that's it. Was. Yeah, so he hadn't done too many at this point before he becomes the every pay per view voice to come. Uh, all right, interesting card structure. So we have three dark matches. One was like an actual dark match. Uh, and then the other two, I believe, were announced to be on the pay-per-view, or at least one was. Tatanka versus Berserker was definitely announced as part of the card, uh, not meant to be a dark match. Uh, Tatanka won that 546. Duggan and the Bushwhackers versus the Mountie and the Nasty Boys, I believe. I thought that was also announced. I'd have to look back now, but I feel like that was an announced match. Um, and that ended up being the true opener. And, uh, oh no, okay, this one was not advertised. Uh, match of the night. Okay, so this one was not advertised. I thought it was for some reason. So, this was a true dark match. It went 12 minutes, dug into the Bushwhackers, won. And then a true dark match again was Papa Shango defeated El Matador in six minutes. Um, also to start the show. So, those two, those two matches mentioned, the six man and the Shango Tito started the show. Um, and then Tatanka Berserker actually was filmed before the main event. Okay. And, you can see it because they actually air all three of those on primetime wrestling following the pay-per-view. Um, so actually on my, my old VHS tape, I have the SummerSlam Spectacular, SummerSlam, and then those three matches all on one tape uh, from primetime. I taped them and put them at the end of the show. Um, and Tatanka Berserker takes place as dark. So you can okay. tell they filmed in that order. So yeah, that was obviously originally meant to be part of the card and then was cut for time. Which I think when you look at the structure would make sense because they kind of go big three at the end there. Uh, so it makes sense that they had kind of another fill match before the main event, the way that the card builds up. So They should have put Papa Shango on, man. I love Papa Shango. But if you go, if you dig them up, I know they're out there. You look yeah, I know I've seen, I've, yeah. I don't think, I don't think I've seen that one, but I know I've seen that six man for sure. And I'm pretty yeah. sure I've seen Tatanka and uh, Berserker Huss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had all those on. Uh, on prime time. Um, all right. So our opening match, uh, well, <laughs> I guess let's just talk about, it. we don't usually get into like the non-match stuff at this point, but the opening video is iconic, uh, with the masterpiece theater theme. They're showing the, uh, Wembley stadium. They're showing all the fans dressed up outside and all the costumes, the, uh, guards playing the, the horns and then, oh, the trumpets. And then we get, um, the very infamous fan with the bowl cut and the pink jacket, uh, <laughs> British Bulldogs get a win whether he wants to or not. I don't know why he wouldn't want to win, but apparently. Uh, did somebody do an interview with that kid like recently or like in the last like 10 years? I feel like he popped up on like Twitter. Or I feel like it was a couple years ago. It might have been like pre-pandemic. I think I think somebody tracked them down. Did they make like a custom figure of him and then he did yeah. like an interview? You know, something like that. <laughs> somewhere. I don't know if it's the OSW guys or so, but he's definitely out there somewhere. I think that was it. I think that was it. You think it was them? It had to be. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, I mean he's pretty infamous. And I've I've seen this I've seen this paper a million times. I've seen that open a million times. It's burned in my brain. The music, the the things they show, the things they say. Um, we had to do a video. Well, we had to do an oral presentation in high school. I became known as the video guy. So like, I, I hated getting up and f- speaking in front of the class. And I always would try and make a video instead. And they kind of became legendary. It actually became like kind of known as a thing in in, in the high, in my high school, to where even like people younger than me would be like, "Oh, you're the the video project guy, right?" Um, so we would always make these video projects. It's before like it was really a thing. Like now, I think more people do that stuff. But at the time, it was very not something that was done often. And um, one of the ones I had to do for history is about Mary Stewart of Scotland. And uh, we used that open from SummerSlam as the open for, uh, I think it's for her beheading at the end of the, at the end of the play. We uh, said it was it made like, it was like a big spectacle. Like there was a sports center thing live at the beheading and the execution. And then we used that clip. And um, so it always sticks out to me too, that we use this ridiculous SummerSlam open as like setting up this execution of Mary Stewart in this video. But oh, that's fantastic. Um, all right, so then we get into the show itself. Into Bobby welcomes in. Bobby's got the crown. We have the Legion of Doom taking on Money Incorporated. It's a it's a very famous entrance for LOD. They come down on the on the bikes all the way down the long aisle. Uh, they got Rocco. Paul Lawrence got Rocco sitting on the on the handlebars. Um, they got the sharp looking shoulder pads. DiBiase's got the white. So like this as an opener, like always, really stood out as like just gorgeous looking. Mm-hmm. The match is very whatever. Uh, but to me, like this match doesn't matter what the match was. You're taking this time to like soak in the atmosphere, just the look of the place, the sound, the colors, the ambiance. Like you know, like everything is just like gushing over you during this opening match, and it's good enough that it's fine. And uh, they had an animal pins DiBiase with a power slam. I went two and three quarters. Like I think it's just a fine tag. We'll talk about build. Like it didn't really make sense that these teams fought. And uh, didn't go a different way. We'll talk about it when we get to the build-up stuff. But uh, again, I think it's a perfectly fine opener because it allows you to not. It wasn't something where you had to be super invested in a storyline or the match. It was just like going on. You could really just enjoy like what's going on around you. Yeah, pageant. The pageantry um, is is a ten out of ten here right off the bat. I feel like that's really what they're selling with these getting these characters out that everybody knows uh, to start the show and are wildly popular. Um, no, I think our friends um, over in the UK could probably help us out a bit, but this is like a really big boom period over there. I think like they just started getting WF programming uh, around this time. So like, it's just electric, man. It's it's an awesome opening. It's you know I'm right there with you. Two and uh, two point seven five for me. Um, nothing else really to add, but yeah, the the pageantry, the the white trunks, DiBiase, um, LOD with the gold. Everything is just great here. Um, so our next match after that is Virgil taking on Nails. Uh, Nails is going to pick up the win. Uh, I went with a 1.75 and it is a little rough, but it's also true to the Nails character that he's not really a wrestler. He's a, he's a street fighter. He's a, he's a prisoner (laughs) enemy of the state. Um, so at least it kind of allows that space for his matches to be a, a little bit rougher. Yeah, and it's just under four minutes. I mean, it's it's basically a squash. It's in the, you know, like early pay-per-view, we're still kind of in that realm where not every match they do is a feud or like a big hot 
like two equal names. Like we're still in mm-hmm. an era where there's squash matches. You get guys over. We'll see it a lot on the second show. We're going to cover it tonight too. Um, so this is really all about putting nails over a guy that's got a name. You know, Virgil's built up enough. It's only a year earlier. He had his biggest moment. The summer 791. So uh, Nails just chokes him out. They played up there. Virgil's boss man's friend. Uh, so he's looking for revenge. Of course, Nails had assaulted big boss man earlier in the summer. Put him on the shelf. He's been, I think he had just maybe returned like on, on house shows and stuff. I don't know if he had popped up on TV again yet. Um, but they were obviously holding that off for sorry series. I think there's a world where you could say maybe they could have rushed boss man back a little sooner and done it here in, in this atmosphere. Um, it feels like maybe it drags on a little bit by the time it gets to Survivor Series, but I think it's just, for what they're trying to do. I think Nails is destroying Virgil. Have, have I Mandela affected this? Is there a um, a Flair versus uh, Boss Man match that happens on this show? There is. Uh, oh okay. no, not on this show. I, okay, I thought they wrestled on this no. show as one of the other dark matches. I don't. Um, it's not listed uh, here. Okay. I don't think so. But they did. They they have had a match. I know there's a match between them okay. at some point. I don't think That's, it's at the you're not thinking of like the UK cup or whatever, right? No, I'm definitely thinking of SummerSlam, like Flair in the purple. I don't to think explain so. like why he's wearing his gear later. But you can nah, check the uh, probably... history of WD.com, formerly of Graham Cawthon and <laughs> <laughs> Richard Land. Um I haven't been since they stripped our rights. Uh, let me look real quick. <laughs> Unofficial plug, not a plug. Not a plug. Don't go there anymore. Use your books. Um wrestling almanac no they just have the opening six man shango tito tatanka berserker all right that's completely mandela affected by me then yeah you made that shit up <laughs> all right interesting match next rick martell and Shawn michaels wrestled to a double count out uh this is a very famous match for many reasons we got we got sherry with the moons out uh moons over miami um just a, a unbelievable <laughs> leather chaps assless chaps um with the fishnets over her butt and this is the match where neither guy could strike each other in the face they're both heels and um you know it's it's interesting like it's one of those ones where it's like a poor man's blindfold match where they work the stip well like it's done well it's a pathos play you get all the drama at the end where Sherry faints and they carry her and they dump dumping water on her and she gets tumbled over. And at the end, she's left sitting there soaked while Sean and Martell fight to the back. Um, but I think it's a world we could use both these guys a little bit better. I honestly, when you look at the landscape and where Martell was um, doing nothing, I, I think they should have turned him back face over the summer and mm. set up like a hot face Ricky Martell <laughs> Over Shaw, against Shawn Michaels, we we Ricky Martel, <laughs> Kelly Nelson would say, on the old uh, tag team, tag team back again podcast. My favorite, that was one of my favorite podcasts of years years gone by. Um, so, uh, yeah, an old just fiery Rick Martel, put him in the white trunks, grow the hair out, and like just underdog baby face. Shawn beats him, maybe like just like he did Tito at Mania. And use it as like a stepping stone match for Sean versus like a comedy match for Sean. I know this gets kind of thrown together because, you know, when it was a Landover, the room was Sean and Brett, right? So um, I think this kind of just got stuck in here to give Sean something to do. Martel was kind of still doing shit. He was doing the Eagle Feather stuff with the Tonka. Um, again, it's memorable. It's fine. I just think when you when you look at Sean as a guy you're really trying to build up, I mean, the next pay-per-view he's literally main eventing in a world title match. Like you're trying to build this guy up and he's doing this, the show before. Um, 
I've just always felt when you look at this SummerSlam, you got to look at it like it's a bizarre world. Like it really takes place in its own little vacuum outside of yep. like the construct of the rest of what's going on in the company. Like this exists mostly inside its own little bubble. Yep. Um, but I do think they could have used this as Sean to go over someone. Um, if they don't want to do the Martell face turn, they probably could have dug someone else off the roster. But I do think that's that's the only qualm. I mean, again, it's memorable. It's probably more memorable than anything else they would have done with with these guys anyway. So. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Uh, two point seven five for me. Um, it, 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 it's 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 just fine. It's it's fine character work um, to kind of anchor the 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 beginning of the card here. Um, and there's going to be plenty of great wrestling uh, mm-hmm. on the back end of the show. So I think this is totally fine. And but the double count out to me is like like I just feel like Sean. I just feel like they could have done more for him on this night. Right. Like I get it. Like, we didn't need another great match or this or that. But I think, like, a Sean hard-fought win over a veteran just would have helped. I mean, look, in the long run, it didn't fucking matter. I mean, the guy gets super over and becomes one of the legends. So it's fine. But I just think at this time, it was a little questionable. That's all. I, I bet if he had Sweet Chin Music established here, he probably hits it for the finish. And then they Maybe. do yeah. all, all the stuff uh, afterwards anyways. But, like, that would have been a great payoff to, like, they can't hit in the face with, yeah. with the punch. He ends up using the kick. Um but uh, sadly, that's not super established yet. Um, speaking of not established yet, we have new World Tag Team Champion. You did a rope. <laughs> In glory and renown, the brother is Beverly. <laughs> Oh, man. We've got our new World Tag Team Champions of the Natural Disasters defending against the Beverly Brothers. The Disasters are going to retain. I went with 2.75. It kind of seems to be the theme for three of our four matches so far. They're right around that 2.75, 2.5 range. Um, Now, Beverly's could work. Um, They gave the Disasters a a pretty decent match. But again, this is just like you're just kind of giving the people – uh, I want to say maybe a, a little bit of a, like a cookie cutter presentation <laughs> to your main characters, um, and but the people eating it up, man. Yeah, the crowd is so insane. Like again, I feel like we're gonna have nitpicks, but at the end of the day, the crowd loved. The crowd is engaged all the way through. They got to see all the big stars. Um, it's a memorable show. You know, the disasters didn't win the tag titles in July from Money Inc. at a house show. Uh, the Beverly Brothers have been feuding. This is the weird thing, right? So they've been feuding with Legion of Doom all summer like since like may they were doing the los stuff the legion of sissies and they're painting on the guy's chests and i mean that was really the the huge feud and money inc and disasters have been a feud since february i'm not saying i want to repeat that wrestlemania 8 match but again this is why this feels like a bizarre world like all summer you're marching toward legion of doom versus beverly brothers and national disasters and money inc i don't get why they did the title change it it a worcester TV taping. I don't think it was even a house show. I don't know if it was a house show or TV taping, whatever it was. Um, like, why not have the disasters win here? It's like a massive pop over Money mm-hmm. Inc. And then have the LOD destroy the Beverly's in the opening match. Like, both face teams win anyway. And that feud with the LOS, Ellering pops the genius with a punch or whatever. You know, like, like end it. Like, that would have been a great opener. And then have the disasters beat Money Inc. for the titles on this card. Like, it would have made all the sense in the world to me. I think this is the most over in this moment the National Disasters ever are. Like, their pop <laughs> is monstrous when they come out and when they win. Um, and I always like the Beverly's. I think I think they're probably 
got misused during this time. I, I think partially because of the gimmick. Um, but I, I do think they could have done more. Like as a kid, I, w- I remember wanting to win this match. I think they could have been a pretty good little mini run as tag champions. Um, and I, I do think as workers, like they were probably the best team in the ring that they had at this point. You know, the Money Inc. is notoriously pretty boring, as we'll see throughout the season. <laughs> um, the Nasties were kind of cashed out, the Bushwhackers or whatever. LOD is kind of on their last legs. The Disasters are fine as faces. But, I, I mean, the Beverly's are probably the best in-ring team. So I think there could have been more to them um, if they would have went about it a little bit differently. But you do get the iconic music. Uh, they have a pretty good near fall in here, too, with the scroll. Like, I thought that yeah. actually did on that a little bit at the time. Um, so anyway, fine tag match, two and three quarters for me too. I just, I just, it's just interesting the way they built this card when they had built all summer for those other two tags and both teams, all four teams are on the card. It's, they're just fighting other teams. This is a weird, yeah. weird setup. Um, yeah. all right. Speaking of tag teams, we have the explosion of demolition next as crush defeats the repo man. And again, just another showcase squash crush had redebuted over the summer as the Kona crush with the, the neon colors and the big blonde mullet, uh, smashing things with this cranium crunch and again just destroys repo man here who's going nowhere fast just like virgil that's a name guy to throw out i went one star 1.75 for me and that's that's the the barry darso bump <laughs> he is an like irrational favorite of mine any role demolition uh crusher khrushchev uh mr hole in one like he is to me, like the perfect professional wrestler, like loud over the top. I'm going to beat your sticking teeth. It like all of the stuff he does. It's so over the top um, and of its time. It's it's timeless. Just over the top. Ridiculous yeah, you don't work. have to sell me on Repo Man. So, or <laughs> so yeah, 1.75 for me, man. Um, you know, it, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a big contest here for the WWE Championship. Uh, we've got the Ultimate Warrior challenging the macho man randy savage um warrior is going to get the win by dq um i went with four this um still a term from you you talk about uh bret hart versus undertaker being like the refrigerator match uh-huh. <laughs> where you you open the refrigerator and you know you haven't been shopping and you keep expecting something different to be in there that's not yeah this one is like there's like a fairy that's always dropping like a little like cookie or something in there. And I'm like, Oh, what's that doing in there? Oh, what's that doing? In there? Like <laughs> I would have had this at like three and a quarter, three and a half, like a, a year or two years ago, but watching it again, um, I've got it bumped up to four. It's, it's really awesome. work. Yeah. It's solid. It, it, it's awesome. Um, yeah. The, the pacing, the timing, um, you know, it's it's not the high high of the WrestleMania seven match. I mean, nothing could be, but no. um, for a rematch, I think this is really good. It's close. I mean, it's like not dramatically far off. And when you think of the, everything that went into the WrestleMania seven match, the story, the pageantry, and all the build, like to me, this match gets heated up fast. Like Warriors name number one contender, and then they layer in the perfect and flair stuff into it, like kind of tight. But they did a good job with it. It's, it dominates TV for like the month leading up to this where uh, Perfect is putting his services on the line. He's bidding both guys against each other. Who's going to pay for his services? Him and Flair, whose corner will they be in? Um, you know, and then they end up coming out. They tease. And then it turns out it was all, of course, a master plan just to injure Savage. And the other guy had paid Perfect. That is kind of fucked with both of them. So it's really good mind games for Perfect and Flair. It is kind of questionable that Flair doesn't work on this card. 
I, I don't know who else they could have put him against. I mean, you could have done him and Tito maybe. Uh, if you did bring back Boss Man, I guess you could have done him and Boss Man, but I think they were saving Boss Man for nails. So I, I don't know who else. <laughs> Face Trick Martel, maybe. I, I think this, I, I think you probably didn't need him to wrestle. I, I think what they do with him here is strong enough where he's basically in this match like the whole freaking time. I mean, him and Perfect are out there. And they get the big payoff to the plan where Savage jumps out after him. They smash his knee with the chair. They weaken him. And then Flair would end up beating him for the title a few days later. Hershey on a TV taping and they pay off yeah. the knee injury angle and they kick off the razor Ramon feud. So um, it's an important match that way, but the, the work itself is great too. Like the pile drivers are sick. There's a lot of hard hitting stiff offense on both the air horns going off. The, the, <laughs> um, the sun is going down. So start, it's like dusk during this match. It's, it's a really cool aesthetic. They gave him a ton of time it was like 26 minutes or whatever um, to 28 minutes. So they gave him a lot of time to tell a story. And I think, I think it's a great match. I love the match. I think they over deliver and it just plays into the ongoing, you know, ultimate warrior. Right? Uh, every big match that guy's in like delivers at some he point. He's up. not getting carried. Right. I mean, he's, he's one of their best ever big match workers who just delivered every time they rang the bell on a major pay-per-view outing. He, he cashed in on it. So um, yeah, four for me too. It's, it's a great match. All right. Next we have Undertaker and Kamala. Uh, Kamala had come back over the summer. Harvey Whippleman brought him in and uh, I don't know, just attacked the Undertaker. They kind of built up off of it. But again, this was weird because they spent all summer working toward Undertaker Berserker Mm -hmm. where Berserker tried to stab him with the sword and all that. And like Berserker is a way better worker. So like, and he had been established as a guy. So I, I, I still don't get again, why they didn't do Taker and Berserker here or Shango coming off like, you know, his debut and he had done the voodoo shit at WrestleMania eight and oh, yeah. did warrior throw up the, the pea soup. Like, why not? <laughs> why not heat him up to face Taker? That's like a ready made feud right there. And both those guys would have been better in the ring than what we get from an aged out Kamala who didn't have much name value or presence up to this point. The match is stupid. I mean, he's he's made to look like a chicken shit. It's three minutes. Then he beats him down after Taker sits up. The best part of it is is the classic hearse, the old school English hearse where he rides out. It's cool, but beyond that, the match itself is just is terrible. Um, I, I just didn't see the urgency like to bring Kamala back to do this feud. If you're going to stick Taker with a monster, you had two guys on the roster that would have been fine. One that was in the middle of a feud with him anyway, so. Yeah, uh, 1.75 for me. This match is not great, but I definitely want to talk about um, uh, Papa Shango. One and a half for me. I definitely want to talk about Papa Shango versus Undertaker. I think it's one of the all-time bags left on the table for them. Uh, You talk about two characters that just like complement each other and would play off each other tremendously. Now, in Uh, fairness, we do get Undertaker versus Kama. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Well, but you get the voodoo in there. You get the Undertaker throwing up something. Maybe you set him on fire. You get the the urn. Maybe it explodes. I don't know, man. Uh, I think it would have been some great stuff. Um, But here's the big one. Um, It is great. It is for the Intercontinental Championship as the hometown hero. The British Bulldog is going to win whether he wants to or not by defeating Brett, Mr. Hitman Hart. Um, what a tremendous match. All-time great finish. Um, you know, the stories are out there from from Brett. Of, uh, and, and other people have uh, collaborated these stories. Or yeah, it's not really. I don't think it's like hard to look at yeah. it and just kind of believe it. Yeah. Um, 
it's an all-time great carry job. Um, not that Bulldog wasn't a really good worker, but uh, on this night, he definitely needed uh, his, his hand to be held. Um, yeah, it's it's a full five for me. Uh, I, I understand it might not be at that level just for some people, but I think when you combine the atmosphere and the great finish and the great ending to the match, like the post-match stuff and, you know, I, it, I I can't not go five on this match. He's fucked. Yeah, I mean that's a <laughs> a pretty infamous match overall. Um, and it's great. I mean, again, they built it up kind of quick. Bulldog had done nothing, nothing altered not nineteen ninety two. I mean, they only have him in this spot because it's Wembley, which is fine. Um, but he was not established at all. I think he was in a feud with Repo Man in in the summer. Um, and then this gets hot shotted into this title match. You kind of get force fed the little, like you said this earlier, the storyline with the you know family. Diane is torn between the two of them. Uh, she's pensively in the crowd all throughout the match with her leather coat on. Oh, Davey. Um, you know, not not sure who to root for. The family's torn apart. I'm surprised they didn't fly them all out, honestly. They just kind of go with her. But um, they weren't quite in full heart family mode yet. Not yet. But, uh, but yeah, so the story's there. They have Lennox Lewis comes out with Bulldog. That's a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's a great match. I've always been a little lower. Like, I don't. I don't think it's perfect. I think it's, I think it's, I have it a four and a half. I know some people have it a bit lower. I think at PTB, I might have actually been a four and a quarter last time, but I went a little higher this time. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's great. It's a great match, but yeah, uh, it's got some, some really good stuff too. Like the nasty spot where Brett does the Piscato and like almost breaks Bulldog in half and all that stuff. So, um, and the moment's iconic when he wins with the victory roll, air horns going off the massive pop. Uh, the hug with Diana, the three of them and all that. So like, and it, it really is Brett's farewell um, to the IC division. And it's like kicks off his official ascension to the world title picture where he'll be in a couple months. So that was like kind of a big passing of the torch. He's just passing it to someone that's not going to be holding it very long <laughs> uh, or in any kind of plans. It would actually be gone in a couple of months anyway. So, um, you know, I don't know if they would have done Brett Sean in the ladder here, if Sean was going to win the belt. I don't, I don't know the plan because I don't think Brett was planned to be the world champion at this point. So um, I don't know what would have happened if Brett just would have won that. But obviously they were smart to close the show with this. They had to, especially with Warrior Savage having a non-finish behind it. So, Yeah, I think in his book, Brett was ready to drop the title and he thought there was a chance of him possibly getting released. Um in the fall because of the uh, contract issues with WCW and him right. trying to jump earlier in the year. Um, and I think, I think that would have been up around there. So uh, yeah, I think, I think Brett was unsure what was, what was even coming next in the fall. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then that's out a match grade score of 2.25. So obviously not super high, but there's a lot of squashes and other junk in here, even with the two, you know, borderline, we had one all time classic, one borderline classic. So, it's really a two match card outside of i mean there's a lot as you'll see it's there's a lot but on in ring wise it's really a two match card outside of like, yeah. the atmosphere and so all right let's get to the build uh we gave a point for flair and perfect doing their services for savage and warrior driving tension they had the whole thing with the nasty boys uh and money inc on the summer Sound spectacular that was really well done um uh, so they they did a good job really marching toward this uh, match again we gave a point for the family feud setup of bulldog and heart and then a point for sherry brewing the feud between martell and michaels um 
I think they had that one match, Martel and primetime where Sherry comes down, he winks and Martel winks back, you know, like all that stuff. And, um, so they were, they, they hyped it. They, they did a little build once they decided to go that route. Yeah. Um, for our minuses, we've got the, the convoluted booking of the tag team division, which we talked about. Um, you don't sync up any of the ongoing feuds and you have all the teams in the building, like you mentioned. Um, we got, uh, just the, <laughs> the stupid stuff with Rocco. Um, yeah, less said about Rocco, the better. Um, not having Flair Russell on the show uh, also seems uh, like a missed opportunity. Uh, Michaels and Martel doesn't make too much sense, even though they did try to heat him up, like you mentioned. Uh, but there's other options there to help push, uh, continue to push Michaels up the card. Um, and like you said, uh, bring back Wee Wee, uh, Babyface. Wee Wee Martel, let's go. Yeah, you know. I'm out there throwing drop kicks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, all right, so that's a minus one for builds. Uh, not too many minuses on this on this list. No, no. the build shaking. All right, commentary. No, Papa one. Shango should have been minus two. There you go. Put that in there. <laughs> all right, settle in for commentary. We get a lot here. Uh, we have Bobby Heenan's ongoing British puns and jokes all night. Um, one of my favorite moments is Bobby goes, "Eat your heart out, Andre Agassi," and then Martel says, "Eat your heart out, Andre Agassi." Like as soon as Bobby says it, and even Bobby seems surprised. He's like, "Oh, <laughs> it's like you must urge it." <laughs> it was really funny. Um, a point to the reaction by both guys to Sherry's outfit. Uh, Vince and Bobby's <laughs> jokes when Sherry's passed out were tremendous. Mouth to mouth restitution, twin cheeks. Um, <laughs> Uh, Bobby going all in on the fat shaming of Typhoon. Uh, he says he's riding him like a Clydesdale, uh, riding the mechanical buffoon. So a lot of that. Uh, Vince and Bobby are awesome with Warrior Savage telling the story. Uh, Bobby's great not knowing who Perfect is going to side with. Um, we didn't talk about it. We'll talk about it in a minute. But Roddy Piper makes a surprise appearance and plays with the bag the bagpipers. Uh, play Scotland the Brave, um, and uh, Bobby roasts all the bagpipers. He always hated hard rock. <laughs> it sounds like someone pulled the tail off a cat. Um, and then the great in the main event too. They put over the moment without being over the top. So it's just it's a great night of commentary. I mean, Vince and Bobby are fantastic together on this show. They are, and uh, for all that, we only have one minus here, uh, and that is Vince being unsure if Nails is disqualified uh, when he wins with that choke, even though it's it's what he's been using. Um, that was that was the only fault on this night, though. They were uh, either at replacement level or or well above it, um, especially Heenan. I hated the choke stuff. They did that all the time on TV too. That's a choke. That's a choke. Like he was doing it, and they kept either bar it or or just accept that that's the move. Like yeah, he acts like surprised every time. Uh, so that's a plus nine for commentary. And uh, this is where the big bag's going to come, Marcus. Uh, atmosphere. Uh, we give a point for the amazing opening package with the masterpiece theater music and all the thoughts from the fans, a point for the all-time location and atmosphere. Um, we gave three points just to this being so unique of an atmosphere and location. Uh, the sun slowly setting for the big matches. So we give it three for all that. A point for DiBiase's immaculate white tights, a point for um, this LOD with their smoke and entrance coming on the motorcycles, like you said, with the gold. Um, <clears throat> arm plates on we gave a point for martel having the classic wimbledon outfit on which is great uh a point for the national disasters pop when they win we talked about it earlier is just insane a uh, huge pop for crushes win we gave a point for that a big point for the warrior entrance a point for savage's entrance this is really his one time as a standing alone as world champion when he comes out a point for the intense atmosphere and engagement all during warrior savage just constant cheering back and forth the chants the air horns are great 
Uh, a point for the massive pop for Undertaker, a point for Bulldog's entrance, and a point for the Bulldog celebration at the end. So just the atmosphere. I mean, anyone who watches the show or knows about the show knows the atmosphere is going to crush on this one. Yeah, yeah. This is one of one of the top uh, atmospheres I think we'll ever do uh, mm-hmm. for the project. Uh, in our minus section, once again, we've only got uh, only got one here, and that is Nails and a couple other guys not getting entrances. Uh, Nails, Repo Man, the Beverly Sisters. Especially with the Beverly's uh, with that music. Mm-hmm. How do we not get that music? <laughs> All that glory and renown. Uh, not not fully on display, but um, that's it. And JT, I think that takes us to a war of 14 for Atmosphere. All right. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Not a surprise. Uh, all right, talk moments. Um, we gave a point, obviously, for the British Bulldogs going to win whether he wants to or not. I mean, that's one of the most famous moments of the show. A point for Bobby with the red jacket and crown. A point for the Legion of Doom on the motorcycles. A point for Sherry's outfit. A point for Martel dousing Sherry with the water to ruin the ruse. A point for Flair and Perfect messing with Savage and injuring him uh, to set up the title change. A point for Roddy Piper playing the bagpipes. A point for Taker's entrance on the hearse. A point for Lennox Lewis coming out with Bulldog. A point for Bulldog winning the IC title. And then a point for Kamala uh, making his DDF pay-per-view debut despite being around forever at this point. Yeah. Uh, for our minuses, we've got the uh, the no-hitting-in-the-face stipulation um, and, and all the antics with Sherry. Kind of weighing down what could have been a really good match, especially if it would have turned him uh, babyface. Uh, You're all in on that now. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, Ricky Martel, I'm all in. <laughs> Give those feathers back and, and let's go. Um, and another one is Kamala. Uh, he looks looks like a giant wimp, uh, despite being hyped as a legit threat to Undertaker coming into this. Like running away and, and tripping over himself and he stumbling. Like yeah, yeah, stupid. All right, so that's a nine for moments. So some big numbers in the last three. Uh, 2.25 for match grades. We talked about that. Uh, card structure, we give a point to start hot with Legion of Doom on the motorcycle. It's a great choice. A point for closing with Bulldog and the IC title when they didn't have to. Uh, a point for the uh, RC. We did one point for close of Bulldog. Then we gave two points for closing with IC title match when they didn't have to, and it was a sharp move. So basically, basically a three for that decision, which is a big time decision. Um, a point for the good use of the Nasties promo to further Jimmy's complex tag team situation. Even though they're not on the proper show, they do an interview with them, and they're kind of rustling Jimmy up about to get a title match. And who whose team is he? Because he's managing them. He's managing Money Inc. You know, there's like a lot going on right now in his stable. So they do a good job of kind of putting over all the balls that Jimmy's balancing. All right. Uh, for our minuses, we've got some announced matches not airing. Um, a lot of squashes on the show make it not feel like it's the second biggest card of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, the Beverly's not really being heated up as believable contenders. And while well executed within the structure, the flare perfect stuff uh, felt like a big giant bait and switch, which you really don't want to do uh, for your WWE yeah. title. Uh, and then even with the storyline, having the count out, uh, finish a world title that hurts. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And then take her winning by DQ after a count out <laughs> yep. again, shaky. So th- that all that's out to a negative one for card structure. It's one of the shakiest parts of the show for sure. The way they kind of, and they had, I mean, the thing is they had two days to like kind of piece this together. Like I, I know it's tough with the light going in and up and down so they couldn't like put take or kamala earlier or anything like that but maybe there's a couple of things they could have done to tweak tweak things around yeah uh, all right rewatchability we gave a point to flair's promo which is great uh where he finished with he's in the dressing room of 
the winner. It's a it's a great promo for Flair <laughs> when he's teasing where Perfect is. Uh, a point for Martel throwing the water on Sherry. A point for Bulldog celebration. A point for Savage's pile driver, which was awesome. Uh, and then two points for the great camera work on all the entrances. Basically, just all the entrances are rewatchable mm-hmm. on their own right, and they are because they've been used on a million video packages and everything else. Uh, all these entrances, so. Um. Uh, for our minuses, uh, we've got Diana's brutal, awkward pre-match promo with Mooney. And uh, is this worse than his Donald Trump uh, interview at <laughs> yeah, WrestleMania I think 5? So. <laughs> it's I think just pretty so. bad. It's really bad. Diana's like, all she's like so nervous and a mess, and he's trying to walk her through it. And like, it's so loud around her, so you can kind of barely hear her as it is, you know? <laughs> well, you know, it's been a lot of work. I've been hard on the family. Um, so, uh, But that's a plus five rewatchability, so... Obviously, a lot there. We get one point for all-time match. It's Bret Hart versus British Bulldog. And, Marcus, that brings us to a total score of 38.25. And that ties, believe it or not, SummerSlam 99. We wow. have a tie at the top. Um, wow. Crazy that it was exactly the same, huh? That's nuts. Um, the Not even a quarter point off. <laughs> <laughs> the SummerSlam has been faring very well. Um, yeah. There's some, something in the water there. Uh, yeah, we have our top four now, or SummerSlams. Unbelievable. Did you think the show would finish as high? Um, I figured once we, once we nailed down our grading system, it was hard not to. I mean, we, we give so many points to moments, to atmosphere um rewatchability like had all that in spades i mean every match has like an incredible moment or atmosphere around it so yeah i figured it would do pretty well it's just funny because aaron did that infamous summer sand project like probably <laughs> almost 10 years ago now uh where this finished last and uh he got torn to shreds uh by readers about it for having this as the worst summer slam of all time <laughs> based on his metrics but for us it's it's uh, arguably the best pay-per-view we've watched um our tiebreaker was best match, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so SummerSlam 92 is officially officially our number one yeah. show now because of the, the classic. SummerSlam 99 doesn't have that. Um, so there you go. A new number one tonight, buddy. Uh, wow. SummerSlam 1992. The, the Also now highly controversial, perhaps, SummerSlam 92. Or maybe now SummerSlam 99 is not so controversial now that we got another one up there. Correct. All right. All right, let's move on to our second show tonight. All right, so we're going to close out the night talking Survivor Series 1992. Um, Took place on Thanksgiving Eve, November 25th, 1992. From the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio. Pretty famous Survivor Series location, right? I think it's the third one already there since 1987. So they kind of went back home, I guess, for this one. 18,000 in attendance. Vince McMahon and Bobby Heenan again on commentary. And this is a pretty, I guess, important show historically. But it's a pretty, like, important time in company history. Uh, there's a lot of change just from our last show that we just talked about. Like this is one of the biggest periods of change that they have in card structure presentation. The guys are choosing to be on top of the company. Like there's some massive change. Like we've had two champions already since our last show. 
uh, multiple title changes overall. We have new tag team champions. We have a new intercontinental champion. We've had two world champion changes. We have a ton of debuts on the show up and down the card. Um, It's the beginning of the new look with the neon entrance and all that stuff. So, like, there's just a lot of change during this time period. Yeah. uh, We also get the great clip from Jimmy Jam Garvin's... uh dark uh tryout are you ready for the survivor series <laughs> we'll live on infamy and the wrestlemania scene is gone <laughs> well, uh, but yeah there's a ton of change going on even uh I, we'll get to it in the build but i mean even going into the show off the saturday night's main event like with yeah. warrior um getting sent home like yeah. there is change right up to the start of the show so yeah. i mean perfect um, is added it's like what nine days before if that yeah yeah because this is a wednesday night i think it's the monday the week before that they changed the match so it's like 10 days before um so yeah it happened fast um bret hart had just won the world title in october from rick flair who had won it right after SummerSlam. money inc are tag champions again they beat the disasters in october as well so they're definitely reshuffling the deck and we'll talk about all the new faces uh we had a SummerSlam rematch as a dark match crush defeated repo man by submission oh man i want to see that one gotta run Where's that, that? One back. <laughs> run that one back <laughs> And then we open with the Head Shrinkers defeating High Energy, the uh, team of Owen Hart and Coco Beware. So two teams we haven't seen at all yet. Uh, Owen and Coco were put together um, to give Owen something to do. I mean, he had been part of the new foundation. Anvil got fired earlier in the year, so Owen had kind of been kind of twisting in the wind as a solo act. They put him with Coco. They got the big cab, neon pants, pretty infamous look. Um, They take on the Head Shrinkers, who had also debuted in the fall, uh, former Samoan SWAT team. Uh, Fatu and Samu managed by Afa and they win this match it goes just under 8 minutes I always like this as an opener I think it's a pretty good little tag opener um, right on par with with kind of our last one that we talked about let me a little behind because of the atmosphere but I went two and a half. I like the finish with the uh, big splash off the top but good so yeah I always thought um, the head shrinkers were uh, what the Beverly Brothers could have been um, if the Beverly Brothers would have went to WCW first and then come over to WWF mm. and be a little bit more polished. Um, yeah, Head Shrinkers, they look ready for the big time here. All their stuff looks good. Um, yep. you know, they they're, they look like they're killing dudes in there. Um, and then you get the big finish with the splash. Um, two and a half for me, too. But, I mean, this is just, just a perfect um, enhancement style match to, to really establish the Head Shrinkers. Um, and again, like you mentioned, new characters um, heading into this portion of the season. So a lot of change. Um, our next match is the nightstick match as big it is blow off. <laughs> the big boss man looking to exact some revenge against nails or the other way around. Um, but big boss man's going to pick up the win. Um, I was not expecting to like this match as good. much as good, I man. did. It is shockingly really solid and the crowd is there mm-hmm. for everything. They are eating it up and that's a big uh, a big jump up for me in this match. So, I went with the 2.75. Um it's not bad at all and um I think it, it definitely added to the show. So that's why I went with the uh the extra points uh extra point 25 on top of it just being replacement level. I went two and a quarter, so a little bit lower, but I think that's even higher than most would have it off memory historically. When I watched it for PCB a couple of years ago, now um I remember being like shocked, like you, like, oh, like this really isn't that bad. I feel like everyone was expecting just like 
A is nail, so it's like already downgraded in your mind. And then B, I think you expected something more violent, maybe because like the beatdown mm. was so violent. Um, but it actually is pretty stiff. Like they really do punch the shit out of each other. And once they get the nightstick, like yeah, it's not in the finish, but they do a couple hard shots with it too. Like they really lay into each other. They probably didn't help themselves by Mooney giving like the dire warning before the match, where he's like, you know, <laughs> like you might not want to let your kids watch this. And it's like they kind of set the expectation bar high that maybe it's gonna be like super violent. Um but I, I like this more than my memory had allowed it to be liked uh, all these years. And the last couple of times I watched it, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's really not that bad. Like, they really do deliver. Like you said, the crowd is super over for Boss Man. Uh, and, and they keep it tight. It's only six minutes. It's just a yeah. six-minute beatdown uh, by both guys. So um, now what could have lost some time off of it was this next match. And then it's Tatanka <laughs> versus Rick Martel. Oh, they go 12 man. minutes um, or 11 minutes. I went two stars on this. Uh, just not not good. Um, this is Tatanka regaining the eagle feathers. That Martel, this the, again, this feud was another one that probably could have been blown off at SummerSlam if SummerSlam wasn't in Bizarro World, or maybe if they had that summer show because Tatanka mm-hmm. beat Martel at WrestleMania eight, and then they kind of reignited over the summer where Martel steals the eagle feathers. They kind of drift apart for a while, and now Tatanka gets his revenge all these months later. The thing, too, is they stall for time because this is where they're showcasing Doink the Clown in the crowd in his first pay-per-view outing. So he's walking around doing balloon animals, popping the balloons, um, and they show him a ton. So I think they were trying to slow the match down to allow a lot of showcasing of Doink milling around in the crowd. So there's a lot of rest holds in this match. Um, I I find it to be pretty boring. Uh, Again, I think... If Martel's wee wee Ricky Martel face turn, uh, you don't put him here with Tatanka. I mean, he's doing something else. I mean, you find someone else for Tatanka to take on. But um, this this really like ground the card down a little bit for me. Yeah, Maybe lop off like three minutes and give it to Bossman and Nails beating the shit out of each other. You're talking me into it. Uh, yeah, wee wee Ricky Martel would have been a, a great ad here. Um, I went two point two five. Um, you know, it's structurally it's okay, but it's just too long, like you said. So I didn't dock it as much, but it is way too long. And I think having um, having Doink out there, even though we both love Doink, um, I think having him out here when you're still trying to establish Tatanka in that first year as like a guy, this isn't the place for Doink. Um, I think later on the tag match would have been a better spot to right. have Doink out there, but um, the uh, Survivor Series tag match, but. Um, that takes us to our first major match of the of the night. Uh, I guess our first main event, and that is Macho Man Randy Savage and Mr. Perfect uh, defeating Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. Uh, I went with a three point five. Um, really good intensity. Some of the booking in the match is a little confusing. I think you wish he would have gotten a better finish. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's it's pretty red hot. Um, they've really got great intensity. Um, Savage and Flair always have great chemistry. Um, and, uh, um, Razor doesn't look out of place here at all. Um, which is really surprising given that he's brand new to the company. So, uh, I like this one a good bit, but, uh, not great. Yeah. I went three and a half as well. Um, the crowd is super into it and, you know, the build had been geared so much toward Ultimate Maniacs getting their revenge. Um, and potentially, I'm guessing, to set up like a warrior flare feud out of that. But I can't say it hurt that much because the perfect stuff was hot. I mean, everyone was excited for his return. The turn on primetime was awesome. Like, that was really well done and memorable. 
Uh, Perfect looks good, and the crowd is um, amped to see him. Uh, he's also got the infamous black tights that look great with the Mr. Perfect. I don't think he ever wears them again. And the match is really good. They kind of put themselves in a box. Like, I get why they didn't want to do a finish. I don't think you were going to have perfect pin flare here just yet. Um, they want to build mm. to that. You're not going to have Ramon take the loss because they're building him up for this feud with Savage and beyond. I think you could have just had Savage roll up Flair and been fine. I mean, I think Flair is pretty bulletproof. So maybe perfect throws a towel or punches him or something. And Savage rolls him up and, and pulls out the win. Um, but I think the DQ is okay, given it's not the main event and it's such a hot and ma- uh, heated match. My bigger issue was the shit in the middle with perfect walking. Yeah, It, it made weird. no sense. It, it just made no sense. Like, was he faking it? If he's not faking it, I guess they're trying to play like he's not really sure yet. Maybe his loyalties are still in his mind with Flair, but it is it didn't feel legit. Like I guess for a moment you think, okay, this is another ruse. You know, like it just like SummerSlam, they just play in Savage to to triple team him, but I guess maybe that's what they were going for, but it just kind of kills the flow of the match. I think it was unnecessary. Um, and it kind of kills the heat on perfect a bit because why are we supposed to then, oh, good, and we're glad you stayed. Like, like if she should have just been all in and the crowd would have been even hotter. For yeah. So. Yeah, don't confuse them. Yep. All right. So three and a half for that. Uh, next up, we have another squash, just like we had uh, earlier in a SummerSlam. That's Yokozuna taking on Virgil. Yokozuna had debuted over the fall along with the Head Shrinkers. Originally, it was actually part of the Head Shrinkers. And then they split him off and made him this uh, sumo wrestler with Mr. Fuji. You could tell they had big plans for him, the way they're presenting him. Uh, he A great presence. Uh, I think Virgil's a good guy just to put him over. He takes a real shit kicking. Um, so I went two stars on this. And it has one of my favorite moments after when Virgil gives a dire warning in the promo after. Like, this guy's like, you know, <laughs> basically everyone, Bret Hart and everyone else, watch out because this guy's coming for you. And, like, that was, like, a cool moment to kind of warn everyone, like, this dude's going to be a menace. Yeah. Yakazuma. Um, so I thought that was, <laughs> that was well done, you know, that part of it. Yeah. Um, I went 2.25. I thought this was a, another really good squash. Um, great way to use an establishment like Virgil to, to heat up another new character in, in uh, Yakazuma. Um, who's uh, who's going to get the uh, the ball pretty quickly here? Um, our next match is the only semblance of a Survivor Series match we we'll get on this card, um, as it is the Natural Disasters teaming with the Nasty Boys to take on Money Inc. and the Beverly Sisters. Um, now it is when you're when one team member gets eliminated, his mm-hmm. traditional tag team partner also has to leave. Um, so the disaster like half a Survivor Series match. Yeah, um, it's it's a half measure. Um, so the disasters and the nasties get the win here. I went 2.25. I think this is where you could have had Doink out there, um, causing causing havoc and, and doing his thing because these are all established dudes. Um, and it could have used a little something to, to, to freshen it up, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just didn't love this 2.25 for me. Yeah, I went two and a half. It's it's fairly boring, it's 16 minutes. Um, the Nassies had just turned on TV on Jimmy. We talked about it at SummerSlam, how they were like kind of pissy about the tag titles. Uh, so they turned. They ended up, the Bushwhackers were supposed to be in this match. They step aside for the Nasties to get revenge on Jimmy Hart. So this is all about putting them over. And almost like the disasters passing the torch to them as like the top face tag team. Um, so they bow out. The Nasties end up winning the match. Again, it's pretty boring. The Beverly's are on their last steps as well, unfortunately. Um so yeah, it, it was is this is boring. Like this is our only Survivor Series match. It's disappointing. 
Um, all right, we have a rematch from SummerSlam. It's Undertaker taking on Kamala. It's a coffin match. It's our first one that we do with Undertaker officially. I think we had done some stuff with Warrior, like MSG or whatnot, but this is the first official one, like on pay per view. Um, it's got the interesting where they nail, they put the nails into the coffin to really seal it up. Uh, again, though, Kamala's is presented as petrified the entire time. Like he's scared of Undertaker, he's scared of the casket. It, it does, he doesn't feel like a threat. It's just. It's ridiculous. Um, again, it's short. It's only six minutes-ish. I went one and three quarters. It, it's just like a waste of Taker for two shows with this stupid Kamala feud. And then Kamala's killed after this. And like they, <laughs> we'll talk about it on our next episode, like what where they go from here. But he's basically dead as a, as a top heel. Yeah, 2.25 for me. But a lot of that is just nostalgia-based. Um, like I love this match. I remember trying to get my granddad to like build me a little coffee for my action figures yeah. um so yeah this one i i couldn't take the nostalgia glasses all for um but again it, it's it's not it's not great um and uh yeah r.i.p on the hammer was a, a cool touch yeah. um so that takes us to our main event it is for the wwe championship as our intercontinental champion Shawn michaels challenges our champion brett the hitman hart uh I went with a score of four for this match. Um, it's just really cool to see these two guys be able to go out there and have a different kind of match than what we're used to um, in a WWE main event at this point. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of limb work. Um, Brett doesn't. Brett Brett isn't at the point yet where he kind of figures out his main event style match. Um, and I think that's why like the SummerSlam match, this match, we'll get to this Royal Rumble match in the next episode. Um, they're all just a little bit further down from the stuff he does in like the mid-90s. Um, but still good enough for four for me. I went through the quarters. I was a little disappointed, honestly, this time through on this. Um, I remember liking it more. It's it's definitely a sea change match. I mean, it's 27 minutes. And, um, yeah, they give him the time. Like, Brett, this is Brett's big moment finally gets the world title to step up and and take charge um yeah i, I just it's it's just missing something and i think they'll yeah. figure it out in the future right it's just missing mm -hmm. a little something but to me it's more about the importance of the moment and the change that they go with these two guys to close the pay-per-view champion versus champion the future it felt like a very much like a, okay this is our new not to use the new generation thing, but you know, it basically felt like they were saying, okay, we're on to the next thing now. Yeah. Um, so it was a very well-worked match. We haven't had something like this close a pay-per-view ever at this point. Um, so to have these two guys go wrestle a match for 27 minutes definitely felt different. I just think it was missing that spark um, that would take them to the next level that we'll get to. So still really damn good. It's just, it's long and it's a commitment and it's like, it just never gets to that next gear. It just kind of tops out here. It is cool that they do a spot by the timekeeper's table uh, towards the end of the match, which they'll go back to for the Iron Man match. Um, I made a little note of that. I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, ready to do our uh, plus minuses? Let's do it. So uh, just for match grades, that's a total score of one point five. So I mean, on the low end, but not awful. Like I'm still in the positives. Uh, let's get to our build. We gave a point for a boss man and nails having a long march to blow off. A point for Perfect turning on Flair and Heenan to join Savage. Uh, a point for the Eagle Feather payoff. A point for the Nasty Boys turning on Jimmy finally and getting added to the show. A point for Undertaker building the coffin to destroy Kamala. 
a point for Brett winning the world title on the build-up, a point for Sean defeating the British Bulldog for the IC title on the build-up, and a point for Sensational Sherry um, getting smacked with the mirror uh, during Marginetti's return and Sean is solo here. So there was a lot went down during the build to the show. It's almost the opposite of SummerSlam where this was a really well-built card. Almost every match had a build-up to it. A couple of things we didn't mention, again, were Shawn Michaels winning the IC title from the British Bulldog on Starring's main event, um, ending Bulldog's run. He gets fired before the show. And then um, Brett Harvesty winning the world title from Flair we talked about. Marginetti returned on Superstars. Sean, uh, he went to hit Sean at the mirror. He hit Sherry by accident, so that takes her out of the picture. So there's a lot going on during the build of this show. And Bret Hart exacting his revenge on Papa Shango for that curse that Papa Shango put on Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. So he'd lose the Intercontinental title to uh, the British Bulldog. <laughs> but uh, for our build, uh, we've got uh, some still random pairings on the card. Um with a lot of weeks left to build. Um, we got uh, Warrior and Bulldog fired weeks before, so it kind of shakes up the whole card abruptly a little bit. Uh, we've got the world title match uh, set up with no real build or reason. Uh, they're kind of like back into a corner with like who's yeah. the two best guys available. Um, and they, they do like the promos on Saturday night's main event to try to heat it up a little bit. Yep. So that's a five. Um you know, pretty solid, pretty good for this show. Uh, and like you mentioned, Warrior and Bulldog both fired weeks before. This was really when the steroid stuff was heating up, the fallout from that. There, all this Ahorian shit really broke toward the end of 91 into early 92. So this is really them like turfing all the guys that are like known, either known or look to be known steroid users. <laughs> Warlord's gone, you know, Bulldog's gone, Warrior's gone. Barb. Yeah, Barbarian's gone. Like, Mountie would go. I don't know if he was part of that, but he's gone. Piper's gone. Like, they're really like, kind of clean in house during this time period. I think Warrior and Bulldog both had, like, shipments to their house or whatever, right? And, and all that shit. Yeah. So, um, both guys get turfed. And that's why they did the abrupt change where Warrior gets pulled out of the match and Perfect gets inserted in because he gets fired during this time period. So, a lot of shakeup during the build to this. All right, commentary. We mentioned Vince and Bobby. Not as memorable as SummerSlam, but still some good stuff. We give a point for Vince just trolling Bobby all night about perfect. A point for the brain scan, which Bobby breaks out a couple times tonight, which is always cool. A point for Bobby's just wild claims when nails innocence. He was buying his mom flowers of Mother's Day and had a parking ticket and all this stuff. Uh, a point for the classic Bobby meltdown over perfect. A point for Bobby saying just cranberry sauce for Virgil tomorrow after Vir- Yoko just murders him. So. <laughs> a lot of good stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, our only minus here is, uh, we got bat- Bobby's casual racist Indian jokes, uh, while Tatanka's out there. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, other than that, it's a, it's another, uh, above replacement level performance, um, by Bobby and Vince and, um, kind of, kind of shocking to me. I didn't think I'd enjoy them that much, um, right. during the first half of the season, but they're really no, they're, good together. Good. Yeah. All right. Atmosphere. Uh, we give a point for the classic Survivor Series theme song to open the show, a point for the reaction at all when the head shrinkers hit the finish. Uh, the crowd was really into that. A crowd, a point for the crowd's reaction to Boss Man through the whole match. A point for Razor and Flair and their great matching purple coordination. A point for Savage's big pop. A point for Perfect's pop. Uh, always a point for Ted DiBiase when he's wearing the white. And then a point for Taker's entrance rolling out the coffin. So a good, another good atmosphere show. Yeah, I might have cut you off earlier. Uh, doing commentary, uh, the war for commentary was a four. Yes. Um, and our minuses for atmosphere, uh, no real big set or special feel. It's just the uh, the basic neon set in uh, in that basic arena. Um, we got Martell and Tatanka going way too long. Uh, plus, just 
doink out there distracting the fans um and and commentary it all just quiets the crowd down um that had otherwise been pretty hot um but that is it for us uh for atmosphere all right notable uh and that's a six total for atmosphere so uh, good scores i mean five four six so far so shows looking sharp uh moments the head drinkers debut Doink debuts, so that's two points. Uh, Mr. Perfect's return to action after a long layoff. That gets a point. We give a point for Tatanka getting the eagle feathers back. A point for Mr. Perfect in the slant-wank black tights with his name on it. It's the only time he ever wears them. A point for Yokozuna's debut. A point for the first-ever casket match on pay-per-view. A point for Bret Hart's first-ever world title pay-per-view defense. A point for Shawn Michaels' first-ever IC title match. Uh, well, I guess it's not really defense, but whatever. First pay-per-view is IC champion. A uh, point for the first ever Bret Hart Shawn Michaels pay-per-view match. And a point for Bret Hart celebrating with Santa Claus in the snow, which is a pretty infamous scene. <laughs> that is great. Um, our minuses for noble moments and importance. It is uh, Shawn Mooney warning of incredible violence in the Nails Boss Man match that under-delivers. Um, and Kamala's run being cut really short as a... He's no longer any kind of threat to anybody. Um, and it's very Terrible. decisive, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's cooked. All right. So that's a nine for moments. Um, so again, show's doing well. 1.5 for match grades. Card structure, we gave a point for opening with that energetic tag, a point for closing with the world title, a point for main eventing the tag match in the middle, splitting the card nicely, which is kind of their trend in 92. They did it uh, for all the three big shows. Um, a point for the establishment of the new generation, long map based athletic match on top. Um, with other, you know, even though Savage isn't a young guy and Flair, they're kind of there to like bring Ramon up and reintroduce Perfect, who's still got some mileage left in the tank. So it's a nice blend of veterans, new faces, uh, up and down the card. Yep. Uh, for our minuses, uh, as we talked about, combining Doink, messing with the fans uh, during the long rest hold periods of uh, Tatanka and Martel, just slowed things down a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, only one classic Survivor Series match, and it isn't even a traditional one. Uh, we went minus two there. Uh, the silly DQ finish to the huge main event tag uh, in the middle of the card. And um, yeah, they should have had either Ramon or uh, or Flair, like you said. I think that's the way to go. Um, just have Flair take the pin, um, get rolled up, and and go from there. So, And I think they could have easily pieced together um, a Survivor match if you did like Head Shrinkers, Yoko, and Martel. I mean, if you want to combine those matches, or and there had to be someone else out there they could have pulled in. And then do like you could put Crush on the card, do Crush high energy, um, if you want to put Virgil on the match or Tatanka, like Tatanka high energy and Crush against Yoko, the head shrinkers, and and someone else. Like that could have been a cool um, survivor match that could have ate up some time and at least put a classic survivor match on the card. Um, I'd have to look quick up and down the roster at that point. I'm sure there's someone they could have pulled in into that berserker still cooking around right so you could do berserker head drinkers and yoko um you have the fuji tie-in with berserker and yoko uh so you could do that and then again high energy tatanka crush was like a pretty cool team so um and you have yoko still survive you could have tatanka brawl to the back with someone you know like get if you don't want to have them get pinned still if you want to keep undefeated um and have yoko stand strong but if you wanted to add another survivor match that's all like there's ways to do it you could have even done something with savage once Warrior left, like you could have done something with that, like Savage, Perfect, Tatanka, and Crush, right? Against like, I would have been good. Flair, Head, Flair, Ramon, and the Head Shrinkers, or something like that, maybe. Flair, Ramon, and the Beverly Brothers, if you want to keep more of like kind of a purple, <laughs> purple Regal look, mm-hmm. uh, or even Money Inc. could have been there. So I yeah. mean, there's different ways you could have went about it if you wanted to add more of a Survivor Series flavor. 
Yeah, I think that's the move. Putting money ink in that that match, making that a traditional Survivor Series match. And they could do the nasties. You could do Savage, Perfect, and the nasties um, against Flair, Ramon, and Money Inc. Like that's a big yeah. time Survivor match right there. Mm-hmm. Dump the other teams, dump Disasters and Beverly's off the card, um, and then maybe add the other one too with Crush and the Head Shrinkers and Yoko. And then now you have a couple of classic Survivor Series matches: Brett Shawn to close, um, Bossman nails. You know, what I mean, so you still get some other stuff in the in the show. So. All right, so that's a zero. It's a wash on card structure. Uh, rewatchability, we gave a point for the perfect teen and breakup because I show the whole thing from prime time on here. A uh, point for Flair Ramon's promos and Savage and Perfect's promos are awesome before the match and after the match. Um, they're pretty great uh, stuff. Just some of the best during this era of those guys. Uh, we also gave a point for Perfect jamming the chair in Flair's face during the figure four. He really caught him that <laughs> right, right in the face with the chair. Um, so it's a great spot. Yeah, it was gross. Um, speaking of gross, we got Appa devouring a turkey, um, and at uh, a perfect debating walking out in the match was forced yeah. and not needed at all. Um, speaking of turkeys, perfect also has a little chicken, the turkey, yeah. uh, mini turkeys during that second promo where they're throwing Slaps them around. It. They get yeah. the weasel turkey or whatever for Bobby. <laughs> uh, no all time matches on either way, plus or minus. And Marcus, that brings us to a total score of. 27.5. Wow. I'm surprised that this is now a top 10 show. I, I believe the numbers are just, uh, it doesn't feel like a 27.5. It doesn't feel like a top 10 show necessarily, but uh, it does have a lot of stuff happening. It's a lot of debuts. The The matches are pretty decent for the debu- uh, debuting people. The match on top, uh, really the two ma- the two big matches deliver. Um, they're both, you know, 3.5. Uh, one's four for me. Um Commentary, that's another one. Commentary is not taking yep. away. I think that's something we're seeing compared to uh, things from the last decade or so in real time. Um, commentary is not taking away from these shows, and they're, they're even adding. Um, so I think that makes a big difference. The um, I, I think it's one of the more surprising ones, honestly. Like, I don't, I don't think I would have pictured this being top 10. I think I would have thought it was doing fine. Like, I think I would have thought maybe top 20 in there somewhere. Like, maybe finish like 18 points, not like 27 points. But... It's just we've we've seen in our system. It is anything that has moments, a great crowd, some good build, like that's what does well. Like it's just we're just more of the match grades. Um and that's led to the these back end of ninety two finishing very high on our list. Tonight we finished with two top ten shows. Wow. On this uh might be one of our best um best things we've done, honestly, when you look at it overall. Uh, all right, let's uh, run down our top ten here. What do you say? Let's what do you say? <laughs> what do you say? Uh, I'll start off with number ten, and that is the Survivor Series nineteen ninety two that we just talked about with a war of twenty seven point five. All right, our ninth best show is NXT Takeover New York twenty eight point two five. Royal Rumble two thousand with a twenty eight point five. Money in the Bank twenty eleven at twenty eight point seven five. Royal Rumble 2016, one versus all, with a war of 32. WrestleMania 21 with a 33.5 in fifth place. Coming in fourth is SummerSlam 2015 with a war of 35.25. Our third best show, Royal Rumble 2005, 36.5. Second with a war that's tied for the top spot, it is the SummerSlam 1999 with a 38.25. And our new number one show, SummerSlam 1992, 38.25. So big night for us. SummerSlams now, again, make up three of the top four spots. SummerSlam and Rumble make up what, 
eight, six of the top eight uh, are the Rumble or SummerSlams. So we'll see on our next episode if that continues with that trend. Um, that was a big night for us, buddy. Uh, you know, we kept pondering what would be the show to top, get to that stratosphere of SummerSlam 99. We didn't know if it was going to be a, a forever outlier that nothing touched. But we had a, our last few episodes here, we started to find ones that are getting close. And one that finally passed it. All right, so we'll be back in two weeks. We're going to actually wrap up the season already. We started it tonight. We're going to wrap it up next episode with Rumble 93, WrestleMania 9. We'll do our season-ending awards. Um, and we'll be on to the next one. So sure check out everything we have here at the North-South Connection. A lot of video content, uh, a lot of audio content. Everything's at northsouthconnection.com. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. Uh, we get everything coming at you. If you're interested in you know, hopping on a show or sharing feedback you want us to read on air, be sure to share that with us as well. Spread the word. We appreciate your support. And continue to live your life above replacement level. You can bruise us, but you'll have to